from Dilbert.com, October 13th, 2014. All right, Dilbert's in the first strip. He's talking in the first panel. He's talking to Dogbert. Yeah. This is our new company dress code, he says. We call it, quote, business dorky. Oh, I'm sorry. To be clear, he's wearing a red polo shirt with a lanyard. Okay. And his employee ID. Uh, Dogbert says, I like it because it makes you look powerless, boring, and sexually irrelevant. Um, Dilbert says, they made me wear this badge so I don't look like an asexual trespasser. And Dogbert says, accessories make the outfit. Hello and welcome once again to Taco Time. I'm Tim. You've done. I can't believe what you've done here. <laughs> I'm Duncan. And today we're, it's Taco Time, baby. We're talking about uh, Al Pastor, chorizo, I... um, uh, 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 deep fried mushroom, all your favorites here on Taco Time, just like we always do. <laughs> Call me stupid if you must. I won't. Why would I do that? But I was sitting there waiting for you to either say Tater Tots or the Potato Podcast. I oh. was so sure it was going to be one of those two things. You know right? Yeah. That in a way, I was more surprised. Not even in a way. 100% I was more surprised this week than I was last week. I figured I, I might have got you on that. Yeah, I, I, I thought about it, and I, I, I reckon that the only thing that was left to do was to just completely, you know, turn a left on you. I, um, <clears throat> I've been trying to learn about chess a lot lately, and I find that one of uh, my biggest shortcomings in chess is that when I make a move, like sometimes when I choose to move, it's because I um, am anticipating that the other person like simply has to move, make the, the exact move that I want them to make in order to respond. Right, um, yes, I'm familiar with that. And sometimes they just, you know, what actually happens is they just like choose not to move and move a piece entirely elsewhere on the board. Um, so I'm getting, I'm getting sharper to, to that instinct and just trying to make the, take the road less traveled by, you know. Can I be honest with you, Tim? <clears throat> yeah. Checkmate. Thank. Oh wait, what? <laughs> um, Dude, are you am have I... captured my king? Oh, okay. The king of me responding and I'm Duncan with in a timely timing. fashion. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, it's an honor. Uh, I'll see you next week. Um, hey, Bye no, everybody. <laughs> this is this is Tater Tots. Uh, we're talking about um, the bespectacled one himself. The uh, utility infielder extraordinaire. It's Eric Sogard. Uh, but first, we have a new segment for you. Uh, it's a single photograph. Uh, yeah, this is good. Um, I included this because this is an audio medium. Yeah. Of course, we'll include the photograph in the show notes. Um, this is one of my favorite photos ever taken. My beloved NC Dinos won the uh, the Korean series last week, as I'm sure you heard. Um, I, I just want to describe my experience, actually. Sure. Uh, I, I think a lot of people are, have seen the sword now because it, it gained a lot of traction after the dinos uh, hoisted a giant sword into the air after their win. Uh, for me, I was one of only a dozen people to watch it live, um, and it was astonishing. The dinos won. I was happy. Everyone was celebrating, uh, and one of the hallmarks of the KBO on ESPN is that they wrap up very quickly. They want to get to Sports Center as soon as they can in the morning, right? Uh, and so the game ended, and probably twenty seconds later, Carl, uh, uh, what's his name? Ravitch. Ravitch. Carl Ravitch is wrapping up. He says, "Oh, it's been a pleasure to broadcast with you this season. We'll see you. We see you now on to Sports Center." And as he's saying this, they're wheeling out a massive sword. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wait, <laughs> onto the field. They're wheeling this enormous sword. As Carl Ravitch is saying, all right, we're going to take you to Sports Center now. Oji Yang is putting both of his hands on the hilt of the sword, pulling it out, and walking towards his teammate, and then they cut to Sports Center. The sword is completely unremarked upon. And I'm I can't just believe... sitting there, open mouth. 
I could not. One, I was like ecstatic from my beloved dinos winning. Yeah. And then this sword just happens completely unremarked upon, and then they cut away from it. It was incredible. That's 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 a bewildering. I mean, if not just completely riveting experience, I feel like um, the uh, the experience of, of, of having a favorite team win a championship is something that both of us have lived in mm-hmm. uh, and lived in quite a few times. Um, I guess lived in is the proper phrase, right? Because it's just like, it's something that we're used to. It's something that enjoyable though it may be, you know, the tradition dictates that it's more or less the same thing every time. Um I'm very happy for you that you were able to make this connection um, with this baseball team halfway around the world uh, this season. It 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 uh, it seems like it's been a really special experience for you, and um, I just want to, yeah, I guess just celebrate the fact that that experience was punctuated not by the more standard fare of champagne showers and the you know regular old trophy with some flags on it but i'm watching the unveiling now and it is just a sword it's a sword uh and that's that that it's it it, what it does i think is that it like it makes it's it's the same energy but it's somehow more visceral because because sports become like a metaphor for combat but then as they become sports with their own sort of language and history and they they develop their own metaphors and so the combat metaphor is kind of lost but this really kind of brings back to this like primeval primordial conquering energy and i'm very happy that you got to experience that there is almost nothing more triumphant than pulling a sword yes 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 from a sheath like he put it looks like he's pulling it out of a stone Mm-hmm. The and then too. walking towards your compatriots, your fellow soldiers, and thrusting the sword into the air. It is, it's so visceral. Just so yeah. exciting. It helps a lot. Yeah, the sword per- looks like it's from The Legend of Zelda or something. It's, it's a very cool sword. It's perfectly magical. And I think that the other thing that's worth remarking upon is that this is, it's an NC, like it's a reference to an NC uh, 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 vehicle, is it not? Like It NC is Soft part of their game. mobile game called Legion. It is the best item in the game. So they have made a full-size replication of that. Not only is this like a triumphant moment for a baseball team, it's a triumphant moment for this specific baseball team that I have to imagine the Doosan Bears would not have been able to partake in. No, hopefully, presumably, they would have let a big grizzly bear out onto the field if they had won. <laughs> we, can, we can only hope, though, because, uh, you know, we'll, you know? Ne- we'll, we'll never know. We have no idea. That's... One of the great mysteries of sports. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just, ma- it really is magical to look at the sword. It's it's a really great photograph. It's um, so, I love Oji Yang still in his um, shin guards. Yep. It looks like armor. That's so cool. Um, and he's, he's got his mouth so wide. He's so triumphant. It's wonderful. It's so one thing that's really cool about the dinos specifically is the way that they've had such they have such a specific leader. He is designated team captain. He's got a C on his jersey. Um, he's also possibly the best player on the team. He's um, the World Series the, the KBO MVP. Or the he was the World Series MVP. MVP. I don't know who the KBO MVP will be. Um, but that I, I've never seen something quite like that in baseball. It was very cool that there is like, you know, sometimes they'll say, oh, it's Jacob deGrom's team or whatever. He's carrying the team on his back. But it feels so much more real in, mm. in this case. I feel so lucky that I happened like to pick the Dinos because I like their name. Yeah. Um, watching the KBO this year has brought me just so much uh, satisfaction it's been a thing to do to guide through the pandemic. And again, I just, I feel so lucky that they ended up being such a good team and winning the championship. Is it unearned? Like maybe a little bit, maybe I didn't have to suffer the, the, the indignities of a lot of losing seasons, but boy, was it fun. Uh, I think all sports fandom is unearned. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the nature of being a sports fan. Um, you know, I, I feel like your fandom is just as valid as anybody that like happened by accident to be born in uh changwon what i'm saying is that in a way you're the real champion uh and i've mailed you a sword to commemorate that fact man it'd be cool to own this sword 
<laughs> Do you think they get to? Did they also receive a trophy? Was that my question? They Maybe. did. They got a, a more, much more regular looking Korean series trophy. <laughs> oh, good. I'm still just. Kind of... I initially thought that this was the trophy. The trophy. Of course, again, trophy. they wheeled it out. Yeah. He pulled it from the stone, and right. then they cut straight to Sports Center, who started talking about the NFL, of course. Um, so. Uh, later i learned they do have a regular trophy they had to decide to make this sword then unless maybe the sword just existed because it's a property of no they manufactured it for this occasion specifically for the wow incredible yeah yeah i'm glad that they won yeah or else they, they would have had to hide it away for another year yeah and then you know what the way mobile games are the they probably would have had a better item by then and it wouldn't have been so perfect Congratulations, NC Dinos. You did it. Do you want to talk about Eric Sogard now? Yes. So this week we're talking about, as Tim mentioned, the famously bespectacled Eric Sogard. Um, I, I, I think we should just start off the top with a discussion of the, the entire reason we know him, which is, I mean, one, the glasses, two, the size. I think that's a little bit secondary, but I think it's important. Um, we will get into the details of the face of the MLB competition at the end, but suffice it to say, he got really popular. He was a member of the A's, um, the whole MLB community banded behind him to elect him face of the MLB because he's got a funny looking face for a baseball player. At the time he had extremely regular glasses and he's a a very normal size. He's listed at 5'10", 180, um, which I think forms an interesting contrast a study in comparisons between him and Williams Astadio who we talked about last week because both mm-hmm. of them are uh two perspectives on this idea of the popularity of baseball players who don't look like baseball players mm. um Astadio is a fat and I know a lot of a lot of, of course a lot of people are fat so some people identify with that but Sogard is so close to just looking like the average American male regular um, guy there's there's something very endearing about it. He's changed up his glasses now to more sports-looking glasses. Uh, oh, but really? at the beginning of his career, he just had these just nerdy, regular-looking glasses. Uh, that It's just so funny the way certain people on a baseball field do stand out for looking regular. Um, Nobody wears glasses anymore in MLB. No, it, less and less... Um, I think it's because of LASIK surgery. I feel like also contact lenses are... are uh, Getting better, you know, maybe? Getting better, getting easier. to. You can just do your dailies and kick them out when you're done. Right. Yeah, of um, course, contacts have existed forever. But yeah, I think I think you're right. Improved contact, contact technology and also LASIK. I think a lot of baseball players get LASIK. Even those that never had to wear glasses. Oh, um, really? Sometimes they'll determined that they could stand to improve their vision with LASIK, and I've heard of people doing that. That is weird. But I guess what I want to say about Eric Sogard is he looks like a nice young man, and I think it would be okay for him to take my daughter to the big homecoming event. Um, so Sogard, born and raised in Phoenix, and I know we've uh, talked about college stats, but there are a couple interesting things about Sogard's college stats to me. One, he was the best his- baseball history baseball player in the history of his high school. That's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a prerequisite to make a you. Would, I, I mean, think. by far, um, yeah. he went to Arizona State University, which is one of the top baseball programs in the country. One, he hit over four hundred. He had the fifteenth best uh, batting average in the history of the school uh, during one of his seasons. Which, on the one hand, is not that impressive; it's only fifteenth. But on the other hand is incredibly impressive because so many excellent baseball players have gone to this school. He shared a roster with four other major leaguers just in 2007, Brett Wallace, Ike Davis, Andrew Romine, and Mike Leake. Um, It's just amazing to me that you can be that dominant at such a high-quality school and end up with a career like Eric Sogard's. And we talk about this all the time, but it's, it's still crazy to me. It's difficult to wrap the mind around. It was difficult. I remember, I think the first time that I read Moneyball was when I was 11 or 12. Um, and I, I I think I had a really difficult time getting through the beginning of it because it concerned um, Billy Bean's kind of like 
abject failure as a mm-hmm. prospect. And yeah. I remember asking my dad, like, I don't, how could they get it? Like, how could it be so wrong? Like, yeah. wh- what happened? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. Some people just don't have it uh, when they need to, I guess. It, it, I think it, if nothing else, and I think this is sort of unique to baseball, I don't really think that there's any other sport that where you experience uh, quite as much uh, luck that goes into success um, uh, um, as baseball does. Just, you know, being in the right place at the right time, getting hot at the right time. Um, or on the other hand, just not, it doesn't, doesn't pan out in football. If you're the strongest or the fastest, you're probably going to be good at least for a little bit basketball too, unless you like get hurt. But with baseball, apparently you can just not have it some days. Yeah. There's a, there's a je ne sais pas to it, which is, which is just wild. I mean, what you're talking about players like Billy Bean who were really highly touted prospects. That's another astonishing thing on its own. Eric Sogard, I mean, they drafted him accurately. Uh, mm-hmm. What do I say? He was drafted in, like, the late second round, 81st, 81st overall. 81st overall, yeah. Which, for his career, honestly, that's that's a that's a reasonable, pretty good draft pick. Um, but just wild that he was the best player on a team with five major leaguers on it and one of the best baseball programs on the country, and this is what he is. I don't, I don't even know. To be fair, those five... I mean, who's the best among them? in terms of their major league career is it mike leak mike leak i think yeah i mean not amazing again it's just like there are a lot of people that go into baseball it's a it's a big it's a big talent <laughs> a big pipeline pool. yeah yeah and it, sometimes it just doesn't pan out um it's true and for uh, those guys it panned out pretty good it's but true mike, this is mike an leak excellent, is still excellent not Kershaw. no there's only one clinton kershaw and his name is walker bueller yeah. Uh, so one funny thing about uh, 2007 Sun Devils, Arizona State University baseball team, uh, in 2010, they were forced to vacate 44 of their wins, which is always a weird punishment. Uh, yeah. And they were banned from the 2011 postseason because of various violations having to do with recruitment. Um, and this is interesting. The big thing that they got in a lot of trouble for um, was that they placed, quote, hundreds of inappropriate recruiting calls, including 25 calls to players below their junior year in high school, which I guess is, a, I guess that's a big deal. Um, and that was the big reason, the reason they were in so much trouble, which is a little bit weird to me because of the other things that were put at the end of the ESPN article I read about this, which is that the head coach, Pat Murphy, also asked for student-athletes to decrease a portion of their scholarship so he could use it for newer incoming student-athletes. That seems like a much bigger deal than the other thing. And he also paid 20 baseball players over $5,800 from his own nonprofit for work that they did not perform. Those Um, second things seem kind of worse. They seem way worse to me. I mean, listen... There, there's obviously controversy about about who can give what kinds of gifts to to college athletes. For sure, um, like yeah, he he tried to pay them essentially for being college athletes, which I have no issue with ethically, but he did it in a in a very weird way. Was that was that fifty eight hundred dollars over like across all twenty players? Mm-hmm. So that's to say that each player got about like two hundred two hundred two hundred fifty two hundred sixty dollars. Seems like. Yeah, I guess so. Not that much. Not that much. Probably just like some meals. It is weird that he like laundered. <laughs> Maybe that's like, kind of what you have to do. The, the part that yeah. that really irked me was the first part about asking people to decrease their scholarship money to in in order to bribe them. Like we're gonna bring on better players, make our team better. Yeah, that's not great. You don't want to do that to somebody. No, but, that puts people in a really tough position all this recruiting stuff is it's also fishy to me and i don't i like like i'm saying like there are rules that are in place to like enforce a system that i don't agree with yeah um so i'm I'm always kind of hazy about where i come down on it one thing that i will say is that you see on like instagram a lot of the time for like um they got they got accounts on instagram that are for just like uh, 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 prospective, you know, high school football players to put their 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 tape on, um, and so occasionally you'll see something about like a twelve year old who committed to a certain college, um, and I just can't imagine how much weight that would hold. Like, I, I, like I like what official capacity could you commit to 
you you know you're not even old enough to apply to college what is what is the value of recruiting a person if they're at this i mean it all kinds of gets spun around right because it's like are you recruiting a, a, a person to go to college at your college or are you just recruiting them to play for your baseball team right like what the, the, this isn't really it wouldn't be an issue if they were just kids going to school really yeah i seen this uh recently because of a recently selected draft pick lonzo ball who i think committed to his college when he was like 13 or something lonzo or lamello or leangelo i are you talking about lonzo i the one who was most recently drafted is that lonzo i do get now, that confused that was Lamelo, who was Lamello. most recently drafted. Uh, uh, yes, whichever one was most recently drafted, uh, committed to his college at an astonishingly early age. Yeah, and I'm saying, like, don't you have to get into college first? Like, don't you have to... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I guess not Not if you're good at uh, basketball, the basketball. Or any sport, really. Um... Yeah, so as I mentioned, the Padres saw Eric Sogard uh, ripping the cover off the ball in college, and they thought, um, this sounds like an 81st overall draft pick to me. Yeah, he and does. And as a consequence, they drafted him 81st overall. He never made the majors with the Padres, which in retrospect is so weird because, I mean, look at him. He's got glasses. Mm-hmm. His mm-hmm. name is Eric Sogard. He does come to embody something about what it means, the essence of the Padre. Yeah. Um, I don't know that the name is, is suitably Padre enough, though. I think that if you were a Padre, it would be a Padre's name. Sogard. Yeah. Yeah. The glasses would help, too. The glasses is really what does it. Um, I don't even know if Padre's names are... They, they do seem to be falling by the wayside a little bit at this point. A little bit, but... Uh, um, yeah, and especially as they... Seem not to have to rely on um, that uh, 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 recruitment strategy. Yeah, I, we'll get into this a little bit. They don't. There's no such thing as a front office with a type anymore. Um, but uh, Sogard was really good in the minor leagues. He hit for really high averages and solidified his reputation, which he also had at UCLA as an excellent defender in the infield. Arizona um, State. Arizona State. And I apologize. I was thinking of basketball. Lamello. Um, before the 2010 season, Sogard was still in the minors, and the Padres traded him and Kevin Kuzminoff away to the A's for Scott Harrison and Aaron Cunningham. Two Padres names, if there ever were. Scott Harrison is a Padre as heck, yeah, for sure. Right? Um, yeah. Don't sleep on Cunningham, which is so, like, upper crust mm. British, which is mm. kind of a classic in that archetype. Um, I don't I think- really remember the specifics of the trade go ahead i was just gonna say i think if i had to at this point define a padre's name it's like at the nexus of uh yeah like you're saying like british boarding school person Mm -hmm. and uh star wars minor character that's exactly it jet dandy jet jerko yeah for sure yonder alonzo Jan Jervis Solarte. We can yeah. keep going. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, Matt Kemp. That's the last one. <laughs> uh, this is not a very good trade for the Padres. Uh, a big part of the reason is that they had to trade Eric Sogard away, who, again, never was very good, but over his career has been a useful utility player and yeah. has had a lot of longevity. Um, this was a fun trade to consider just because like I was saying, the Padres front office had a type of player, and this was still an era when you could cheat another front office, or there were lopsided trades, or one smart office was one front office was smarter than the other. And the A's obviously still at that time were at the forefront of sabermetrics. Mm-hmm. They saw something in Sogard, which I don't know, debatable whether they they ever got that value out of him, but. There's no such thing as a lopsided trade anymore. Every team is run by MIT graduates running their big SQL databases. Did they get the value that they wanted out of Eric Sogard? Who won? The, I mean, just like based on, I don't know, I guess this is kind of a big question to ask who won the trade. Um, 
Based on my calculations of war, it's a very small difference, so I wouldn't take this at gospel. But in 2010, the Padres missed the playoffs by one game. Uh, it was very dramatic. The Giants beat them in the last game of the season, uh, right. thanks to a Jonathan Sanchez triple. It was a very fun experience. Um, but if you were to believe the war totals, the difference between uh, Sogard and um, who was the other one, Kuzminov, and Hairston and Cunningham would have put them over the top, meaning they lost about a win uh, just in that season. And really, that trade was designed to make them better that year. Um, it wasn't a disastrous trade, but in theory, it could have put them over the top. Sogard continued to be good. He was really good in the minors that year, and he got a September call-up with the A's. Um, he was back in the minors the next year, but he did get called up for the second half of the season where he was like fairly mediocre, but the A's used him in a platoon role, which is what they did throughout the entirety or not the entirety throughout a good portion of his career. Um, and he provide, he provided a good amount of value that way, just in being half of a platoon. Um, and, um, then the next year, uh, I don't know exactly what happened. He only played, uh, what a total of 70, four games which is not enough i think he got mm. hurt uh one yeah. thing about eric sogard that i struggled with in putting together these show notes is that his career has not been that well documented um huh. for the reason that he is not that good a player um so th there are a couple of things about him that i simply don't know uh i suspect he was hurt he had a big knee injury later in his career and maybe it had to do with that i really don't know though um, no, I've Googled Eric Sogard injury 2012 and nothing comes up. A mystery. Well, regardless, at the beginning of 2013, the A's infield was just kind of a big mess. Um, yeah. And they said, listen, we're going to hold big open tryouts for the second base position. Uh, and here are the players that were competing. We had Scott Sizemore. No memory. No. Uh, Jamile Weeks. Yes, of course I do. Adam oh. Rosales. How could you forget? Andy Perino? Never heard of him. No. And Jed Lowry. Uh, yeah, he hangs around. Doesn't he play for the Mets now? Yeah, uh, I think he might. He certainly sounds like a Met. He, he was good for a while. And he actually uh, got to take over the everyday shortstop position after uh, Hiroyuki Nakajima got hurt. Um, so at the beginning of the 2013 season, it was Jed Lowry and Eric Sogard uh, up the middle. Jed Lowry, I think, shares in common with Eric Sogard that he is as useful as utility players come and will just like get on the roster because he can play every position. That's I mean, that, that was what was so defining about the A's of that era. They yeah. were all in on platoons um, and <laughs> light hitting slap hitting guys who took a lot of counts uh, took to, took a lot of balls went deep into counts eric sogard is if there's one thing that is elite about him and there probably isn't it is his ability to work <laughs> deep into counts he earlier in his career often was t close to the top of the league leaderboards in pitches per at bat which is something wow. the a's definitely valued at that time um and he was he was pretty decent even close to average for the next three years um he he was like the primary starting second baseman but again it was the A's so there was a lots of moving about and he shifted around the infield he was on the bench a fair amount um so it was in that time that the MLB Twitter account hosted a face of the MLB competition how well do you remember this uh, occurrence i only remember sogard winning um i don't i i, I wasn't I've never followed at MLB on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so I wasn't really privy to the, 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 um, you know, the development. I yeah. really only kind of caught on after the fact that there, there was this campaign on to get Sogard to win it. Um, it, <laughs> I mean, I remember it pretty well. This is the kind of thing that I feel like doesn't really happen on Twitter anymore. And I think it's because we've all matured. Um, regardless it was it was this like bracket style competition of twitter polls where firstly every fan base would get to select the face of their team uh and then they went off against each other in a bracket style tournament where twitter polls would determine who was the face of the mlb and there people 
wanted to spite the competition. Uh, and yeah. so they voted Eric Sogard, uh, the face of the A's over Josh Reddick, um, because of the glasses. Uh, they said, well, this, this guy looks like a nerd. He's not who you would consider the face of the MLB. He looks like a nerd. Nobody's heard of him. Um, or perhaps that is the the very point that was being made was that Eric Sogard in his nerdiness is the true face of the MLB in 2014. Maybe so. I think there's uh, a truth to it. There was also some kind of post hoc analysis that, you know, in being he he was the face of the A's in the sense that he was kind of a nameless utility guy and that was what was making them good in that era. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but the enthusiasm for Eric Sogard grew beyond the fa- beyond the A's fan base after he won the initial competition. People were very amused by it. They liked to laugh at his face. Um, and so more and more people started getting on board and pushing him up through the bracket. He beat Troy Tulowitzki in the first round uh, and then Buster Posey. Uh, to make it to the final round versus David Wright. And this is interesting. You remember him winning. Yes. Um, And that's not surprising to me. Uh, But in fact, it was a very close contest. Uh, Sogard looked for most of the day like he would win. The polls closed and David Wright was declared the winner. There was a lot of haranguing about this. Did he not win? Eric Sogard did not win. He came in second place. I have a distinct memory. Oh no! You know what I'm thinking of some of a very similar but uh, wholly different sport event. It Never wouldn't mind. it wouldn't surprise me to to learn that a lot of people had Mandela affected his winning into their memory because it feels like he won. I mean, he definitely won the competition won. in the sense yeah. that he destroyed it. He won like <laughs> Rocky. He won like Rocky won. He won exactly like Rocky, Rocky won. Um, the he polls, the, the polls closed at like, I think like 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, and some people were bitter about that. They said, all oh, the Mets fans got to get up and put in the final yeah. votes. Meanwhile, the A's fans were still slumbering in their sweet, sweet, tiny little warm beds. Didn't get to Should've close the gap. Got to get up earlier if you want to beat David Wright. Yeah. And they didn't. Um, and, uh, some people said this is what the MLB wanted all along. David Wright, handsome, good at baseball. Eric Sogard, got glasses, utility player. Um, is David Wright the rightful face of the MLB? In 2014? Sure. What is the face of the MLB? What does that mean? Uh, to me, it is either the player who you most readily associate with baseball or the player that best represents what baseball is at a moment in time. Sure. And I think that in, in 2014, David Wright was neither of those things. No, I, I agree this with was you. One of the, this was one of the seasons that he played, though, so that's good. Yeah. For me, I think the face of baseball is... Yeah, maybe what you're saying about most readily associated. I mean, I think it's... For some reason, when I think of the face of baseball, I'm thinking of Fernando Tatis Jr. Um... Yeah, or like, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, and then I thought Mike Trout, right? I kind of feel like it's between those two right now, uh, even though they're not. Tatis isn't necessarily the second best player in baseball. For some reason, he's feeling like the face of baseball right now, for whatever that nebulous term is worth. Um, I think so. I think that the issue is that if you have to ask who the face of baseball is, then you don't have a face of baseball, right? Like, the, I'm sorry. If you have to have a contest. Yeah. Then there isn't, you know, it should be Mike Trout, but there's a Mike Trout vacuum because he is from Millville, New Jersey, and enjoys the weather. Um, I think it should have been Sogard. I, I feel I feel a, a profound sense of injustice uh, <laughs> in discovering that I've been Mandela'd. Um, the, the 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 distinct and separate instance that I was thinking of was of that guy whose name I forget <laughs> naturally um who was elected to the NHL All-Star game as a as an internet prank are you familiar with this I story? I remember this yeah um and he scores he scored a goal he scored like a really nice goal I there was um, there like a reply all or a radio lab or something about this 99% invisible or something um yeah uh and 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 it, it it that very much walks the line of 
um, triumphant underdog story and mean internet prank. Um, this being just like a, a, a purely like PR contest and not actually dependent on any real skills or abilities. Um, the stakes I think are a little less weighty. And as a result, I think it would have been better for Eric Sogard to win it. Because I think that David Wright, I mean, I guess the other... David Wright has plenty of accolades. This is really what has and will define Eric Sogard's career. Yeah, and it it could be a fun story about what baseball looks like in 2014. It's got all these, like, nerdy aspects and this, like, nerd power energy that he was bringing from Oakland is, is, is very much a defining of what the rising tide of the MLB was at the time. And it could have been more fun. And David Wright is just a boring guy. I don't think he's that interesting. I never have. I'm very bitter on Eric Sogard's back. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry to have hijacked your your episode about it. <laughs> um, you mentioned Nerd Power, which is a nickname he got from the fans at Oakland Coliseum, who called him yes. Nerd Power. Uh, reflecting on them, he says that they were nice, and he appreciates it. Uh, he, he does seem like a nice young man, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, he missed the entire 2016 season recovering from a damaged patella tendon in his left knee. It seems terrible. Um, and then after the season, he was outrighted to AAA, but he refused that assignment because uh, he had been in the major leagues for long enough. He elected free agency. So from there, he went over and signed with the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, he's still recovering, I think, which played into the decision to send him down to AAA to start the year. But he actually credited that with helping him out a lot. He felt like he needed consistent playing time coming off the surgery. Uh, And he got that. And it seemed to help uh, because he was hella good. When he got up to the uh, big league club, he uh, developed a lot of stands. Uh, Yeah, stands. Let's go with that. I meant to say fans. Uh, Big Sogard stands. Uh, (laughs) By establishing career highs in home runs, walks, and batting averages. Uh, Just one batting average. I will note that his career high that he set that year in home runs was three. Uh, his his previous career high was two, and he was a tater tot three times. Again, not that good a baseball player. Um, but this was his best year, and his daughter went viral after a game in which his Brewers lost to the Padres despite him hitting a home run um, because she was so deeply upset that her dad had lost. Padres hit a home run. That's just baseball. Uh, sad. But cute. Yeah. And also very frustrating. You hate to lose. Yeah. It's so funny that, uh, I don't know. The way that someone's dad can be a professional baseball player. Very strange. Very strange. Um. Sorry. Another thing that's sad uh, was Eric Sogard's 2018. Mm. He hit 134, 241, 165 uh, through 55 games before the Brewers said, Eric, you suck too bad. We're going to have to release you. And so they did. He actually uh, signed another minor league deals with the Brewers that year, but he's stuck around in AAA the rest of the season. So afterwards, he signed a contract with the Blue Jays. Um, again, he started the year in AAA, but then... Uh, he really busted out onto the, the Blue Jays club. He had 300, 363, 477 with an actual excellent career high of 10 home runs. Wow. Um, yeah, this was last year. Um, and there was a lot of speculation about him at the trade deadline. And he did ultimately end up getting flipped to the Rays um, for a little bit of backup on their team, um, which probably helped. He was not quite as good with the Rays, but he did uh continue a pretty good season still would have been his best um even with his decreased performance from what he did on the jays and he got to take a a fun trip to the ale division series uh which was presumably fun eric sogart has played baseball for the a's the rays and the jays dang that's all right 
Is that also true of Josh Donaldson? I don't know. Is it? He's definitely played for the A's and the J's. I can't say for sure if Josh Donaldson has been. He has not been a Ray. Okay. Unfortunately. I would like to, I, I at some point, I would like to round up all players who have at one point in their career been A's, Ray's, and J's uh, just for my own personal satisfaction. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's a really excellent observation. Just choice. Sorry, I didn't, again, I didn't mean to No, this. no, listen, I'm so glad that you brought this to my attention. It's kind of making me rethink this whole episode. Is it? <laughs> well, imagine that if I if I had separated into chapters that rhymed. Oh, mm, could have been. Oh, could have been. Boy. Um, you know, at least we can have plenty of musical stings. <laughs> so, um, before this season, he, he re-signed with the Brewers, uh, reuniting him with all his friends, Craig Council and Christian Yelich and the rest. Um, and his performance this year was nothing to write home about, but he did do something special on a beautiful August evening in Milwaukee. Here's Eric Sogard. 2-1 pitch, and there's a fly ball hit back into right field. It's deep. It is this one tonight unbelievable crazy crazy end of this game and against my beloved pittsburgh pirates to boot yeah i'm sorry about that uh the pirates That's all right. they were yeah really very bad this year they're incredibly uh, bad i took a look at some world series odds recently and they were uh the only team rated at 500 to one um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go put 10 bucks on the pirates hey if it works out yeah, You're right. going to be sitting pretty. Unfortunately, against my friend Dick Rod, too. Uh, he's yeah. not my he's not my favorite Pirates reliever. Who's your favorite call... Pirates reliever? Oh, my God. I think that that bullpen has been so depleted because Felipe... Uh, what was that guy's name? The he Angel? Turned out to be a pet... What? Who? No, there was that guy who was supposed to be the next Eraldis Chapman, and he threw a hundred and whatever, but then he turned out to be a pedophile. What's his name? Uh, and he changed his. Is it Felipe Vasquez? Yes. Okay. Yes. yes, yes. I yes. wanted to say that, but I didn't want to accuse the wrong man of being a pedophile. It's confusing because Felipe Vasquez uh, had changed his name at one point. He had pre- previously been Felipe Rivero. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. That really sucked nightmare uh the latest on that sorry again no no this is good this is what we do one in the podcast september 1 2020 so merely a couple months ago felipe vasquez testifies that police lies said he never confessed to having sex with 13 year old wow oh boy so not not the greatest like baseball story the thing that you want to think about no, just real. But fortunately, he was not on the bump for the Pirates that fateful night that Eric Silgard hit his tater tot. It was Richard Rodriguez, who is uh, not very notable uh, as Pirates relievers go. Perhaps um, aside from his nickname. Dick Rod. <laughs> who is my favorite? Oh, he's their closer currently. Um, he's not amazing. Uh, who is my favorite Pirates reliever? Yeah, well, Maybe let's Chris. get to the bottom of this. It's got to be Chris Stratton, right? Or maybe I, I think it's got to be Chris Stratton, Kyle Crick, due to um, uh, having been aware of them on the Giants for so long. Uh, or, you know what, why not uh, Davidus Nevaraskis, the first uh, Lithuanian-born Major League Baseball player? It's got to be Davidus. I mean, it's that, that seems like a no-brainer to me. I actually think they DFA'd him in the offseason. Uh, I don't think he's on the team anymore. Okay, well, yeah, he was he was he was released a couple weeks ago. Sorry, Dominus. Uh, welcome back, Mr. Crick, or 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 Derek Holland. There are a lot of former Giants in the Pirates bullpen. Yeah, that's the new um, 
the new market inefficiency is guys who flamed out of the Giants bullpen. Um, Did Crick ever start for the Giants? No. He was, as a prospect, he was a starter. But he got converted to relief eventually uh, when he sucked. I forgot about Kayoni Kella. I think he stinks He's now, He's still too. with the Pirates? I thought he was traded. Uh, I guess they didn't end up trading him at the deadline. No, they did not, And but he was granted free agency last month. What are the Pirates going to look like in 2021? <clears throat> Let's see. This is a huge digression um, from the discussion of this walk-off home run of Eric Sogard's. There's really not a ton to say about the Sogard. It was, it was a walk-off. It was a bomb. I, uh, yeah. It was... That, it was a, go ahead. No, it was just a certified bomb. No doubter. Uh, no question. Just a solid piece of hitting. This was Eric Sogard's first and, to this point, only walk-off. Um, and it capped off a pretty wild and crazy back-and-forth game. Um, so he was excited. Everybody on the team was excited. The Brewers... Uh, Wound up going to the playoffs, although barely in an expanded playoffs. But, you know, for what it's worth, Eric Sogard helped. And he had a big walk-off. Now, the, the Pirates will be led by Cabrian Hayes next season. Uh, inarguably led by uh, Cabrian Hayes, who is still a rookie in spite of uh, 95 plate appearances and a 376 average um, to close out last season. The only bright spot. Um, <clears throat> Jacob Stallings is going to be behind the dish. Uh, which isn't great. Back to sort of ignominity for Pirates catchers after a brief moment in the sun. Um, Eric Gonzalez, I guess they're going to figure it out. Although Cole Tucker's coming up. He's listed as a bench player, so I don't, I don't know if maybe he'll make his way to starting. He played a lot of outfield last year because all the outfielders kept getting injured. Um, Colin Moran's been shifted back out to left field, uh, which is harsh. Um, I think we talk a little bit about the difference between little league positions and big league positions. And, and in Colin Moran's case, I think sticking him in left field is very much a little league decision of wanting to have his bat in the lineup, but recognizing that he's not a very good defensive third baseman. Um, and instead there's young Cabrian, young Hayes. Uh, Brian Reynolds is there. And that's pretty much it. Everybody else is old. That's not terrible. I do worry a lot about the pitching, I would say. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm seeing that Joe Musgrove is listed as their number one starter and also seeing that he's only 28 years old, which is astonishing because I feel like he's been a pirate for 15 years. Joe Musgrove was returned for the Garrett Cole trade. Um, <laughs> That's why merely, merely, what, two years ago, three years ago? Feels now? like it's been so long. <laughs> uh, Joe had a really nice start to the season. I think he also kind of flamed out, but I, I don't think that that's like a total laughing stock, although it might be. No. Jamison Tyon has had like four or five Tommy John surgeries at this point. A nightmare. Um, I think Mitch Keller has a lot of promise still, though. Yeah, this is... I'm looking at their projected starting rotation here on Raster Resource and all of them below 30. Um, Tyon being the oldest one, which is kind of wild. Yeah. Although I don't I don't actually think he's going to pitch next year. Is he, is he full of Tommy... Tommy's John? He's had like eight Tommy John surgeries, and I feel like every time I talk about him, I'm like, oh yeah, he's recovering from Tommy John surgery, and then like the next day, the news breaks that he has Tommy John surgery again. Um, Let's see. Mm, on August 14th, he went, underwent surgery to repair a flexor tendon as well as UCL revision condition. Yeah, he missed all of 2020. I guess 2021 is still a question mark, so he could come back. Um... But it's a fall from grace uh, for the pitcher that Fangraphs once called the best high school pitching prospect since Josh Beckett. Hey, maybe hey. this age 29 season is going to be the one. I hope so. I really do. I really do. Jameson Tyon has been through an awful lot, like two or three Tommy John surgeries, no joke, and yeah. also testicular cancer. Ugh. Uh, I am really rooting for him. Oof. It has been a very snake bit career, though. Yeah, that sucks. Um, I particularly feel for... All the cancer survivors out there in baseball who are dealing with COVID at the same time as they're dealing with baseball being weird. Bad. Um, yeah. Well, that was all I had to say about Eric Sogard. I, like I mentioned, there's not that much documentation of, of his life or career, except that every sports writer, whenever they invoke him in a game story, they call him soft-spoken. So... <laughs> 
Maybe that's why there's not much to document. Yeah, he has he hasn't said anything. <laughs> or he has, but nobody was able to hear it. Can't didn't quite catch that, sorry. And now I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think it's like, uh, you remember Horton Hears a Who? Yeah. Maybe there's one sports writer with big ears who could understand him, and then we'd learn all about Eric Sogard, Mr. Nerd Power himself. We can only hope that one day uh, that beat journalist happens to stumble upon Eric in a, in a, in a, in a locker room. Hasn't happened yet, though. He's too soft-spoken. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, he's a free agent again, so we'll see. we'll see where he lands. <clears throat> Alright, I think that's gonna do it for us this week on Tater Tots. Uh gonna wrap up with a snake pack for you. Uh snakes and other reptiles use their tongues to create sample I can't believe we haven't done this fact yet. Snakes and other reptiles use their tongues to to sample chemicals in their environments. Their forked tongues give them a greater surface area to collect from and an ability to determine where a quote unquote smell is coming from, although it's more like taste, right? Uh, maybe it's a little more like taste. This is really fascinating. I feel like I could do multiple snake facts on this, but the forked tongues kind of allow them to like smell in stereo because they sample the two sides of where they're slithering. And so they can see like, oh, it tastes more like what's it on the left side, more like what's it on the right side. And they, they actually bring up the physical molecules up their, up their tongue tubes, uh, and into their chemoreceptor organs. All very cool. Well, listen, be sure to join us next week on Tater Tots uh, for part two (laughs) of this riveting snake fact. Uh, You can uh, make a donation to Baseball for All. That is an initiative that gets girls involved in youth baseball uh, or across the country, which is very important. You can follow us on Twitter at Tater Tots Pod. You can like us on Facebook, behind the Facebook URL, slash Tater Tots Pod. You can email us, tatertotspod at gmail.com. Next week, we'll be talking about Los Angeles Dodgers backup, backstop, the catcher himself is he the backup austin barnes right he's the backup kind of it's kind of a little bit we'll more too, but we'll get into it all right next week on taco bye bye Possible.